Well, good morning and welcome to worship this morning. We are so glad that you're here. The call to worship this morning is from Psalm 121, and it says this, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Friends, we praise the Lord for this truth today. Will you please rise to your feet, those of you who are here in the room with us, and join us as we worship the Lord this morning. You may be seated. 
please bow your heads and join with me in a word of prayer. Forgiving, Lord, we welcome your presence here today. We actually invite your presence here today. Father, for we know we have fallen short in our lives time and time again. You have given us your word both in scripture and through your son. You have promised us your presence both in spirit and in community. You have graced us with your kingdom both in teaching and in service. And yet, Father, even so, we neglect, we ignore, we reject your purposes for us. We do not love what you love. We do not embrace what you embrace. We do not defend what you have called us to defend. And so have mercy on us, O great and loving Father. O God of all ages past and all hope for years to come, forgive us for what we do and forgive us for what we fail to do. We ask you this morning, Father, that your spirit, your promises, your grace, in spite of our own brokenness and limitations, will continue to work in our lives, that we might receive full life in Jesus Christ. Through his death and resurrection on the cross, we pray both now and forevermore. In the name of Jesus, we lift these words. Amen. Friends, Paul reminds us in his letter to the Romans that therefore, now, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. Because of that, friends, we are more than conquerors. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. And so, friends, walk in that truth of his freedom and of his grace this morning, for by his wounds you are set free.
Friends, what better way than to be reminded of God's grace and to enter his throne than to be reminded by that song. Please bow your heads and pray with me. Father God, we come before you this morning as a people who carry many things. Some of us come with hearts full of joy, carrying gratitude for warm homes and good health and thriving jobs and relationships and a future that brings us hope and excitement for the days ahead. And Lord, we know that others of us come this morning with hearts full of pain, carrying the disappointments of things we have lost, the grief of people we have loved, the frustration of bodies that don't feel the way we want them to feel or do what we want them to do. And so, Father, regardless of how we come this morning, remind us of who we are as we come. For we are a community of people, your church. Father, we are your precious children who are knitted together not by our circumstances, but through your Spirit. We are humbled before you, before your grace and your goodness and your mercy and your love that has the power to change our hearts and transform our lives. And so, Father, I pray for each and every person, whether they sit in this room or they are watching online, Lord, wherever they are, whatever they need this morning, I pray that you would meet them with your presence. Meet them exactly where they are. And Father, for us as a body, help us to see one another. Help us to carry one another's burdens. Help us to encourage one another, to lift one another up and remind one another that you are a God who rejoices with your people when they rejoice and you mourn with your people when they mourn. Father, no matter what, you are in our midst and so remind us of that truth today. Father, we are mindful this morning that some in our body need you more than others. So we lift up those this morning who are struggling with all manners of sickness and disease for those who are battling or continue to battle COVID-19, as well as those who care for them, Father. Strengthen their bodies, their minds, protect their hearts from fear and exhaustion. Father, we thank you and we praise you for advancements that have been made. And so we pray that you continue to show us the light and hope in the days ahead. God, we also lift up our young people this morning for so many who are struggling with feelings of anxiety and depression and isolation. Father, we see them. You see them. And so surround them with your presence, with friends who encourage them and families who love them. Open their eyes to see their value and worth and identity in your love alone. God, we also pray for those this morning in Texas and other parts of our country who are finding themselves without power, without food and water or shelter due to the recent storms. We pray that you will be in their midst as well. Bring protection, solutions, and restoration, we pray. And for all of us, may it serve as a reminder that there are those who out, throughout the world who experience these types of calamities each and every day. And so continue to humble us. Let us not turn inward, but outward as a reflection of your love. Father, as we enter this Lenten season, begin our journey towards the cross, let us be a people who turn our hearts to you. 
And so now with one heart and one voice, let us pray together the prayer that your son taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, welcome once again to worship this morning. My name is Sue Ann Camfield, and I serve on staff here as the women's director. And it is always a pleasure to be with you in worship. If you are new, um, maybe just beginning your life at Christ Church or even joining us for the first time today, I just want to extend an especially warm welcome and let you know that we are here. If there's anything we can do to answer questions about what life at this church looks like, we would be happy to do that. And so you can connect with us via text or through our website, as well as if you're worshiping online, feel free to um, say hello to our online chat hosts and they will um, be more than happy to welcome you, I know, and help you uh, navigate what it looks like to be part of this community. We actually have an opportunity today at 1 o'clock to actually connect a little bit further and do exactly what we are talking about this morning at something we call Meet the Pastor. We do this every couple of months to um, answer questions you may have about the church and maybe meet some new friends. And so we're going to do that today at 1 p.m. Uh, Dan Meyer will be on that call, our senior pastor, oh, it's via Zoom, and he's going to share a little bit of his story. He's going to answer your questions, share more about the church. And I actually will be hosting that alongside Dan. And so depending on how you're experiencing me right now, that could be a good or a bad thing, whether you want to come, but we would encourage you to just uh, find that link on our website at one o'clock. You don't need to register. Just come and join us for that. <clears throat> well, as many of you know, we are in the season of Lent. If you were here this last Wednesday, we marked the beginning of our Lenten journey with Ash Wednesday. It was just such a beautiful time to worship together and to receive the ashes that remind us that we begin this journey for the next 40 days as we journey towards the cross and remember what Christ has done for us. And so along that journey, we are actually going to begin a new sermon series today as Dan is going to help us lean into the Lenten season a little bit more. But we will also, of course, celebrate Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, which we are very much looking forward to. Um, but I, something I want you to know about those two weeks, we are actually going to expand our worship services to two services, both at the Contemporary Hour and the Classic Hour to 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And so note that time difference. Um, not 10.45 for those of you who may be used to coming at that time, but 11 a.m., and that's going to give us just a little more time to clean and get the building ready as we transition between those services. But make sure you mark um, your calendar for both Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday as we transition to that. On Palm Sunday, also here in the classic service, our amazing choir will be sharing the cantata that they um, share on Palm Sunday, the seven last words, and so be sure to join us for that as well. 
Lastly, if you are joining us online, we want you to know also that starting March 7th, we are going to be going down to just one viewing channel instead of two. And so um, just be aware of that as you come to worship with us from home and know that we are going to retire the channel that has no chat on it. Um, and so if you prefer no chat while you're worshiping from home, you can just expand your screen to full screen and that chat uh, will go away, but we hope you will continue to join us as well. Well, one of the things that Lent reminds us of is our dependence on God. That sometimes while our circumstances change, that our God never changes. That he is light in the darkness again and again and again. And so if we believe that and we place our trust in God, we know it's also true when we give. That sometimes we are not sure if our circumstances feel firm or uh, strong, but we know that our God is. And so we can trust God in our giving. And sometimes when we give, we don't always see um, the fruit of those gifts. We don't always know how God uses them, but we can trust that God does, whether through a message here at the church, whether it's because someone received something at the food pantry, whether it's because a small group leader reached out to someone at the exact time they needed it. God is at work in this church, and we are so honored to partner with him in his work. And so during this time where we receive our tithes and our offerings, I'd like to invite you to reflect on where you can trust God more in your life, whether it's with your resources or another area. How do you remember who he is and remind one another of that? And so as you give this morning, you can give via text, you can give on our website. Uh, we have some baskets out back or uh, at the, uh, behind our worship service. So if you are here in person, want to give on your way out, you can do that. And you can, of course, always um, drop something off during the church in the week. But just know we appreciate you. We appreciate your generosity and pray that God will use it in a place in your life to show his good and holy character. So let us continue our worship now as we receive um, God's ties in our offerings.
I do hope and pray that amidst all of the chilliness and the challenges of this winter season, there have been some moments of brightness and warmth for you, and that already this morning, our time together has been part of that. Uh, It is a delight always to welcome you to the life of the worshiping community of Christ Church. And again, whether you are a veteran of that or just wandering in for the very first time, we're thrilled to be in the circle together. I think back over the last month or so in my own personal journey of this season and without a doubt would have to name one particular moment as maybe the brightest time uh, in recent memory. Uh, It was for our family a very significant day as on January the 2nd of this year, uh, our son Cole, our middle child, uh, married the fabulous Heather DeBoer. Uh, The unambiguously happiest event of our life uh, came because of our cherished love for these two. Heather and Cole have been part of this congregation's life since their infancy. Uh, They have uh, been loved on and mentored and instructed by so many of you who have helped them to grow up, uh, to learn what it means to be an adult and to follow Jesus Uh, They have uh, gone through seasons that weren't always that pretty, the awkward moments of life, and you as a congregation have just encouraged them through that. Their faith was no doubt formed in our Sunday school and through our student ministry programming. Uh, They volunteered at camps and on mission trips together over the years, and their knowledge of each other slowly got bigger and bigger. It was not a love at first sight experience, but they began to know and see each other in all of these contexts, and it eventually began to change from a feeling of friendship to a feeling of romance and commitment until the day came when they were ready to make a formal commitment to journeying together from there forward as husband and wife. Now, I hope you'll forgive me for going on and on about this. Uh, You will see in a moment uh, why I am setting up uh, this conversation in this way. I just want to say there was so much about that experience at the start of January that had me choked up, and those of you married children understand this. Getting to sit next to Amy was one of them. I was right here in the front row of our sanctuary Uh, It was glorious to be able to sit next to my wife and hold her hand and be just a husband and a father instead of somebody up on the platform, and that was really wonderful. Watching Pete Stearns, one of our pastors, whose wedding I conducted a number of years ago, now conducting our child's wedding, struck me as one of those beautiful chains of blessing that the Church of Jesus Christ is really all about. And seeing Heather and Cole's siblings there, uh, three girls on one side, three boys on the other side, uh, sharing in this uh, alongside of these marvelous friends thronging around them, people of faith, pledging to be there for this couple, not just on this day of partying, but for the whole journey from that point forward. I thought if only all of us could live within a circle, an arch of love like that, there would be no adversity we'd face in life that we could not overcome. But other than how beautiful the two mothers of the bride and groom uh, looked, there were two additional particular highlights from that wedding 
that have lodged in my mind. Uh, Two particular highlights that uh, stay with me, and I bring up to you today because these two themes bear very significantly on the subject that we're going to start exploring today and then go deeper and deeper with throughout the course of these weeks ahead up to the celebration of Easter. One of those themes was the theme of fulfillment, of fulfillment. How many of you have ever planned a wedding or a massive party or a giant event for school or for work? How many of you? Just raise your hand if you've ever done that. A lot of us, I imagine. And you know what goes into planning something on that scale. You know the staggering array of of decisions and details. You know about the various trips and slips that you make along the way. You know how many people and places are involved, the crises and changes, all of the stuff that goes in to pulling off something like that. And is there any feeling so wonderful as when all of that time of setting things up is behind you and you're finally there, finally there at that moment of fulfillment, when all of the vectors and the plans have come together in a marvelous way. You're the parents of the bride, and months of preparation during a pandemic are finally over, and you're watching your daughter dance her first dance. As I discovered that day, my daughter-in-law's parents uh, Amy and John DeBoer were experiencing a sense of fulfillment in that moment of an even larger kind than I had really imagined. During his toast at the wedding reception, John DeBoer spoke of how many years ago he and Amy had bought a piece of furniture that would become their family's kitchen table. They would celebrate so many moments of their lives at that particular table. They would have their three daughters with them around that table. It would get shaken. It would be spilled upon. It would get scuffed up. But that table would be one of the great constants in their life together. Yet John said there was something else something else special about that table. He and Amy had actually purchased a much larger table than their little family of five really needed right away. They had done this in the expectation that someday there would be others joining them there. Little Heather wasn't conscious of that, of course. She was not aware of any vacancy next to her, but John and Amy always saw the space and prayed for the one who would fill that space. Through so many seasons and for so many years, that space sat waiting. It sat waiting for the time to be right, waiting for all the circumstances to line up waiting for someone else to be cultivated by God's grace, waiting for the moment when nearly a quarter century later a great love would arrive and sit down in that place next to Heather, fulfilling its promise. Here's how John DeBoer himself tells that story. So... 
I've been thinking a lot lately, as you could imagine, in advance of this day. I've been thinking a lot about, well, strangely, I've been thinking a lot about our kitchen table. After an exhausting search back in uh, uh, August 1998, we finally found the right kitchen table for, uh, for our house that we had just moved into, the one we still live in today. On my way to pick up, uh, to pick it up, my mind wandered back uh, to the table that I sat at every night as a boy. I began daydreaming about all the life we'd experienced together at our new family kitchen table. And a family of five fits much better around a six-foot table, but we saw this day coming all those years ago. We knew that we'd eventually have some young men joining us at the table. So Cole, there is no greater compliment and nothing more precious than I can give you than the empty seat next to Heather. I couldn't be more thrilled to welcome you to take the seat, the one that has been waiting there for you your whole life. Welcome to your place at the DeVore family table. Speaking of families, listen to these words, if you would, as they come to us from Matthew's Gospel. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. These words from Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18 are also words that speak of a fulfillment. They are amazing words because they appear in the very a middle of the first chapter of the first book of the New Testament. And the gospel writer, Matthew, is speaking to Jewish people here. He's basically raising a glass as one of the fathers of the faith, raising a glass that the promise and the prayer for a Messiah has now been fulfilled. At long last, the empty seat at the family table of the Hebrew people has been taken and a new era for the Jewish family is starting to dawn. Fair enough. Some of you will be thinking, even as you hear these words yourself, fair enough, the Messiah has come. I think I've heard that message often enough in church that I can probably go back to checking email because I get this. Many of us, of course, have heard that story often enough that we're, we naturally have a kind of a so what attitude about it. But I hope that that is going to change over these next weeks. I hope that one of the great fruits of this Lenten season ahead of us is that we're going to understand in a fresh and exciting way why the fulfillment of the promise of a Messiah 
is, is good news. I don't mean even good news at the level of like your child has found the love of their life, but good news that is vastly more wonderful even than that. But to get at that truth, it is helpful to understand that this verse that I've just read from Matthew 1 and verse 18 is what the Bible, as scholar Christopher Wright points out, calls a swinging door. In other words, its import swings forward and also backward in time. When you swing the verse forward in time, when you look at what comes after it, it opens up upon a room that you know very, very well. The words that come right after are, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about, and then it says, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You're familiar with this part of the story. I would be certain. But when you swing the door the other way, not towards the future, but backwards, when you swing the door that way and look back to the text that comes right before this particular verse, you and I enter into a room that is not quite as familiar. I strongly, in fact, encourage you to open up a Bible. Uh, Open it up on your phone or on your lap right now. And look at the first 17 verses of the entire New Testament. The, the, the New Testament begins with this, Matthew 1 and verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, son of Abraham. And then Matthew marches us through lists of names that sound like the names of present-day professional football players. He takes us through a list of names that span 52 generations or roughly 2,000 years. This little verse, when it swings backwards, opens up on a room that goes back 2,000 years at least. And the list of names that he gives is such a tongue twister that I won't attempt it till I've had another cup of coffee. But I will give you the takeaway. Are you interested to know what the takeaway is from those verses? Here it is. You can't get Jesus till you get what he came to fulfill. You can't really understand the table until you understand the waiting and the working of God that led up to the table and its fulfillment. I mean, you can sort of understand Jesus without knowing much about the Old Testament and all those generations that are described in the genealogy at the start of Matthew. You can understand certainly that he was a great teacher. (laughs) You can understand that he was an amazingly moral person who did all kinds of wonderful things. He was a loving man. You can understand that he even died on a cross. You can know these things. 
You can get all of that without knowing much about Abraham and David and all the rest of the list of the long catalog of women and men that get mentioned all the way back through time over those thousands of years. You can understand these things about Jesus without all of that, but that would be saying like you know the bride and groom at a wedding without knowing much about their family. It's a little bit like saying, I really know the bride and groom without knowing really a lot about the hopes and the promises that their coming together is fulfilling. It's like saying, I know the bride and groom without knowing what the legacy before them means to them and how it informs their sense of mission in life. And so here's the invitation that I just want to extend to you this Lenten season and as we move towards Easter together. Please join us every week. Please come and be part of this conversation we're going to have because we're going to help you to get to know Jesus at an even deeper level than perhaps some of us know Jesus right now. We're going to help you to, to, to know him by getting to know the great family bloodline that leads up to Jesus and through Jesus towards you even thicker than water. And as we move toward that purpose, there are two things that I encourage you to especially look for in the study that we're going to undertake together. Keep these lenses on as you look, almost like eyeglass lenses. Look for these two themes all the way through the course of these coming weeks. And the first of them I've already mentioned, and it's this idea of fulfillment. In the biblical story, as in your life and my life, there are some empty chairs. There are some places of promise that are just waiting for fulfillment. The story of the Old Testament really is the tale of all kinds of human yearnings and the bad and the good things that they do to fill those gaps. We're going to see a lot of our, ourselves in our contemporary society in the stories we're going to look at together. We're going to encounter people who, who even give up hope that their needs or their world's needs can be fixed and so settle for solutions that actually become deeper problems. But as we're going to see over the course of history, God never gives up on them. He keeps working out his good purposes in spite of the doubts and the failures of his people. He keeps holding out new possibilities and pathways to, to, and he keeps moving his people into strategic positions our Heavenly Father watches his world. He's waiting for the time to be right, for the circumstances to line up in just the appropriate way, for the ultimate fulfiller to come and to take his seat and for us to recognize him. It's a magnificent story. The second theme I want to encourage us to think about as we go forward during this Lenten season is the theme of covenant. That word came alive for me all over again during the marriage ceremony our family experienced last month. I heard our kids speaking the same exact words that Amy and I 
said to each other 32 years ago, I do promise and covenant before God and these witnesses to be your loving and faithful husband and wife. As we read the Bible, we run into again and again this relational arrangement that goes by the word covenant. In ancient times, a covenant was similar to what we today would call a contract or maybe even a treaty. A covenant established three things. It established the the basis for a relationship. In other words, why are we even pursuing this coming together, this, this arrangement at all? Why are we doing this? Secondly, it articulated the conditions and the promises that would define the relationship. In other words, what each party would give and would receive from this setup. And thirdly, a covenant often spelled out the consequences if those conditions were not met. For example, as Tara Beth helped us explore over these past couple of weeks, the basis of the covenant of Christian marriage is love and a desire for mutual flourishing. That's the first element of the covenant. Secondly, the conditions and promises are that we're going to submit to and serve one another out of reverence for Christ. We're going to do it out of, as Christians, out of reverence for him who became the servant of all. And thirdly, the Christian marriage also talks about the consequences if that covenant is broken. It may not do it out loud, but certainly it's whispered in the back rooms, and we know what the consequences of that broken covenant is. It's a lot of pain and loss. It's sometimes lawyers' fists and money. Why is it important to really understand the concept of a covenant? Well, for three practical reasons I want to invite you to think about with me in the season ahead. First, covenants form the skeletal structure for the entire biblical story. They are the structure of the story. Once you understand the specific covenants that God made with his people, you will get the Bible at a whole different kind of level, much deeper and more wonderful understanding of Scripture. Secondly, covenants deeply matter to God. In fact, it's fair to say that one of the most defining aspects of God's character is that God is a covenant maker, keeper, and fulfiller. If you want to know God, if you want to really understand this one who's made you, understand he's a covenant maker and keeper, and fulfiller. And and God speaks and acts again and again in the Bible as if living faithfully within covenantal circles is one of the absolute keys to thriving in life. And if that is true, (laughs) that, that living within a covenant circle is a key to really thriving in life, Who of us wouldn't want to know more about these covenants? The final reason I would suggest to become even more knowledgeable about covenants than you are today is because 
On the night before he went to the cross, Jesus said that he came to establish a new one. A new and final covenant. Somebody once said that trying to understand the new covenant that Jesus came to bring, that's talked about in the New Testament, that trying to understand that covenant by just studying the Gospels is sort of like trying to read just the final installment in the Harry Potter series. You can do that. You'll have fun doing that. It's not a bad thing. It's a great story in itself, to be sure. But if that's all you read, you will miss out (laughs) on how much is being fulfilled in that final installment. You will miss out on so many wonderful layers of meaning, the extraordinary way in which all things are coming together in this final moment to to converge into the ultimate fulfillment of the storylines. So in this series, we're going to look together at the seven major biblical covenants that God establishes with people. We're going to see how the circles that God keeps setting up are so unbelievably relevant for our lives today. We're going to see so many practical principles that we will want to apply more fully in our lives today. And we're going to see how all of these patterns and all of these promises prepared the way for something even more awesome still. How these various circles became like lenses stacked against each other, creating a sharpening focal point towards the fulfillment of God's plan in the person and work of Jesus Christ, the one perfect love who came to take his seat at the table next to you and next to me. Would you please pray with me? Lord, your servant Paul taught that the church is the very bride of Christ. And so we ask you, give us a love for you more like the utter devotion I saw reflected in the eyes of Heather for Cole. Help us to believe and experience that you have a love for us even greater than the love with which that groom gazed into the eyes of his bride. And above all, God, show us this Lenten season how to live more fully into a covenant with you and why that so matters for us and for the people who will watch the way we live. For it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.
Once again, we do say thanks so much for being the church and for sharing in this time of worship with us today. We are so excited to be on the journey into this new year ahead and to have you with us. I hope and pray that you'll feel the freedom to uh, let us know if there's any particular way that we can be of service to you on our staff and in our later leadership teams. Uh, if you write to help at Christchurch.us at any time, uh, we'd be thrilled to hear from you and uh, offer whatever help that we can. As we prepare to leave our physical in-person service today, the ushers will be coming and dismissing each section uh, row by row in time. I want to say to all of you at home, uh, may God's rich blessing be with you through the rest of this day and until we meet again. And now receive, if you would, this benediction for us all. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord our God, who loves his family so very much that he sent Jesus to be our Savior, may this great God make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.